0: Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show here on this Wednesday, WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. Short show today, only a half an hour. We're up until 6 o'clock, reason being Red Sox Exhibition Baseball today as we get ready for opening day just eight days away. But in that short time, let's go out to the phone line and bring on Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio host, Freddie and Fitzsimmons, weeknights at 9 p.m. Freddie, how are you?
1: I'm good, but even though it's short, it's going to be sweet when you and I get together, my friend.
0: Certainly is going to be sweet. Let's talk a little UVM hoops because i got to tell you, I'm catching a lot of strays up here, Freddie. Why? Because I want UVM to grow as a program. And a lot of people here are just happy about UVM getting to the tournament and getting run Uh, out of the gym. And I'm not happy with that. Now, look, I acknowledge this year's season was a success. Anytime you get to the tournament, that is a success. But I don't believe it's a step forward when I've seen this team win 28 games and now they win 23, when I've seen this team get a 13 seed and now they get a 15 seed, and I've seen this team lose by four in the tournament and now they lose by 17. I think we can acknowledge it's a good season without having set the program forward and people are telling me I'm just not appreciative enough.
1: Well, I don't hate it what you're thinking, and I wonder how much of this Brady has to do with the fact that we've seen other mid-major teams have deep runs in a tournament where you see St. Peter's last year as a 15th seed. Yeah. They get to the Elite Eight, for example. FDU is a 16th seed. They take down Purdue in this year's tournament. Florida Atlantic from a mid-major conference, even though Conference USA is better than the America East, what they've been able to do is get the Sweet 16 under Dusty made their head coach. So. I don't hate that thought process because you always want the best with people and programs that you're around. And we know what kind of culture and championship success that Vermont has had. So, yeah, why not aim a little bit higher? I want to aim a little bit higher. So I don't hate that from you at all.
0: You know, I and I appreciate that. I, and I'm not asking for the moon. I'm not asking for them, for them to become Butler or Wichita State or Gonzaga. I'm asking for the program right. to reach its ceiling. And what I think the ceiling is, is play well enough in the non-conference to get consistently a 13 seed, maybe a 12 once in a blue moon, and be in a position to win a game in the tournament, not get run out of the gym like they did Friday against Marquette. I don't think that's too much to ask. I'm asking of them to go a little bit further than they've gone right now.
1: Well, I think part of the deal with Vermont probably not going as far as they can or getting a little bit to your standards and expectations that you have is that when you build that kind of program that they built, there are going to be plenty of teams in power conferences that don't want to play you because they don't want to get embarrassed. So a lot of Big East teams, ACC teams, a lot of even Atlantic 10 teams that are looking for an NCAA tournament berth in major big conferences, you play a team like Vermont and you have a loss in your schedule, that hurts the ego and the pride of the program. So I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that not a lot of top teams in power conferences are going to schedule them because if Vermont beats you – that helps Vermont more than that helps you, even if they win their conference or get into the NCAA tournament.
0: Freddie, I don't want to drag you into the into the Burlington, uh, you know, cesspool scene here, but I'll let you behind the <laughs> scenes a little bit. There, you know, there were some allegations against some people in the UVM program a couple of years ago, and uh, allegations that are out there publicly that the school may have covered up or you know mis- misrepresented. As a result of those, there is the thought to some that John Becker is kind of radioactive in the hiring market anywhere but here. He's kind of safe here and not a candidate anywhere else. I don't know if that's really true, but I'll just play it as if he isn't radioactive everywhere else, do you see him being a, 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 a fit at a place like Providence?
1: Man, that's going to be a tough sell because we know what he's been able to do, and I don't doubt that John Becker would not be able to succeed at that kind of level in the Big East Conference, but I think Providence is now at a level that if you're going to replace an Ed Cooley, it's got to be with a splash name. And if John Beck was from Providence or in that Rhode Island area, then it's an easier sell. It was definitely an easier sell for Ed Cooley because he had success at Fairfield. He was a native of Providence. He called that his dream job. And then look what he did once he got there, winning the Big East regular season championship one year and then going to the Sweet 16 another year and winning the conference tournament another year. So I don't know if that's radioactive regarding him, I just think a program like Providence and a power the conference, they're looking for more of a splash name or splash assistant name, more than somebody's had that kind of success, even in a small market like Burlington, Vermont, Why John Becker's been able to do it the catamounts.
0: Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio, Freddie and Fitzsimmons, weeknights 9 p.m. Let's transition over to the Patriots. Um I don't know what to make of what the Patriots have done. They, they signed Juju Smith-Schuster and Mike Kosicki. I guess I could say they're lukewarmly better, possibly, than with Jacoby Myers and John U. Smith. But defensively, they lose Devin McCourty. They're changing positions for Jalen Mills. I feel like it's a lot of just kind of lateral stuff for the Pats right now.
1: Yeah, I'm, it's funny you mention that because I was talking about this with Ian Fitzsimmons last night before we went on the air, and we had the same question that you have. What is going on with the New England Patriots? And my answer is they're still trying to win the Bill Belichick way. And it's like they're trying to go against everything that has happened in the NFL and what's going on in modern football, that you have to have those kind of dudes that people are threatened by on the outside. or have that kind of quarterback that people are threatened by at that position. And right now the Patriots don't have that. They don't have that one offensive player, whether it's a tight end, a running back, quarterback, a wide receiver, that opposing defenses look at and they say, oh, yeah, we don't stop that guy. It's going to be a problem for us. They're trying to continue to do this by committee. And you can do that, but you need somebody front and center that's going to lead the way that everybody fears. And any team that's a contending team in the AFC has that one person that everybody fears. We know about Kansas with Patrick Mahomes. We know about Buffalo with Josh Allen. We now know with Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence. And if the Denver Broncos can figure it out they may have that guy Russell Wilson. You can't look at the New England Page and say the same thing. And I think they're trying to find a way to win their way and say, see our way works more than anybody else but you keep further and falling further and further behind everybody else especially in your own division where they have dudes at quarterback with two our law, if he can stay healthy. Josh Allen, like I mentioned, Buffalo, and whenever Aaron Rodgers gets traded to the New York Jets.
0: You know, I was perfectly okay with Damian Harris leaving the Patriots, but I hate that he's landed with the Bills because I hate that he's mm-hmm. given the Bills exactly what they need. Physicality in the run game, they could take some pressure off Josh Allen. Now you get Harris and, and James Cook there, and it looks like they've got the ability to salt away and grind away games in a way they haven't the last couple of years. So that's, that that was tough to see, even though I was okay with Harris being done in New England.
1: Yeah, it's okay for him to be done in New England, but you're exactly right, Brady, because the Buffalo Bills, if they didn't figure it out last year, they definitely figured out after losing the Cincinnati Bengals that you can't have your best running back be your quarterback. He can make plays in the running game, but he can't be your best running back and impose his will because they will hit that out of the league no matter how big you are when it comes to Josh Allen. But if you're the Patriots, you lose a Damian Harris, that his shelf life was over as far as that goes, so what are you going to do to replace him? And who It can't be a hope and wish plan. And it seems right now, Brady, that's what it is with New England, that they're hoping and wishing that if they get different players and play the Patriot way. They'll be able to figure that out. That's a very, very difficult line of thinking to think that's going to work in a post-Tom Brady world that the are now going into year four in dealing with that.
0: Let's talk about the Celtics now. Celtics beat the Kings yesterday. Good win for them. Still in second place yeah. in the Eastern Conference. This Jalen Brown stuff is kind of odd, right? Like Jalen Brown's talking to the New York Times yesterday. He's talking to the ringer. He's saying, I'll be in Boston, you know, but it depends on how long they want me. I don't know what the future is like. Is this just Jalen being kind of a deep thinker? Has the team deeply offended him? Is he being overly sensitive? What do you make of the Jalen Brown Celtics relationship?
1: Yes, all of the above. <laughs> I'll be completely honest with you because I don't think anything Brady is off the table with any player because Jalen Brown, he is very comfortable where he is. He doesn't want to be that kind of Batman, Batman, because he loves playing with Jason Tatum and vice versa. So that's not the issue. It's not like a Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal situation involving both of those guys of the Boston Celtics. But Jalen Brown also understands that, hey... I may want to find somewhere else to go. That opportunity presents itself. I'm going to have to investigate it. He's looking out for his best interest just the way the Celtics will look out for their best interest, whether it involves Jalen Brown or not involve Jalen Brown. So that's his way of bringing reality to the party. And I know a lot of people don't want to hear that. They want to say, why would Jalen Brown want to leave here? Well, plenty of people may, not want to, may outlive their situation or may outlast where they are and they want to go somewhere else. I'm not saying that's the case with Jalen Brown, but I don't think anybody should take him to task and say, hey, anything can change tomorrow. They may want to bring somebody else in and I'm going to be that trade piece, or I may want to go somewhere else. He just brought reality to the table and a lot of people were not prepared for it and did not expect it from somebody who always thinks things through and looks at the total landscape of anything going on, whether it's in the professional space, playing basketball, or in the personal space when it comes to his life.
0: Given the propensity we know of NBA players to try to force trades. How is How imperative is it for the Celtics, or how urgent is it for them to just win the title this year? Because if they fall short, I could see Jalen Brown trying to do just that.
1: I don't know if I see Jalen Brown trying to do just that. If he does it, Brady, I could see it maybe behind the scenes. It yep. won't be in yep, a fair. public forum. It won't be a public demonstration. So your point is valid when it comes to something like that. But I also think this, and I've always believed this, more than ever before, where every season winning a championship is a second by second proposition. You can get to the finals one year, but there are no guarantees back there and win it. What happened to Boston Celtics last year? How many times we looked at so many different teams that, man, they're ready to be a championship team? And then that window closes because the NBA and the NFL and Major League Baseball and the NHL. They're second by second where you can be on the top of the mountain one year and then the next you've got to rebuild all over again whether you want to or not. So I don't know if it's imperative to win a championship this year. I always think that if you believe you can win a championship, it's imperative you win it that year because there are no guarantees you're going to get back to play for a championship the next season.
0: Freddie, how fun was it last night to scroll Twitter about 10 o'clock and see everybody talking about baseball?
1: Man, how fantastic the World Baseball Classic. That's and believe me, I've, yeah, I've always been a fan of it anyway. I always loved these kind of Ryder Cup, World Cup-style events, and I think that's been sorely needed in Major League Baseball. But then you have the best of the best and teammates playing against teammates and having that situation. Mike Trout's at the plate and Shohei Itani, and he's doing his thing with the stick and also on the mound. It's a 3-2 count. Then he throws that Frisbee slider to win the championship <laughs> for Japan and one of the great pitches that we've seen in a situation like that. But I also believe this. It's another case why Shohei Atani is not going to be at the Angels after 2023 because this is the first time he's had a chance to play for something like this, Brady, on American soil. And he was able to raise up and rise up to the moment. So if it doesn't happen for the Angels getting the playoffs this year, why would he want to stay when there are other situations where he can go and play in that kind of stage and really extend his name even further and further, not just across the landscape of American baseball, but across the worldwide stage, being that kind of celebrity that he already is right now?
0: Freddie Coleman, Freddie and Fitzsimmons. Freddie, we'll talk next week. We'll be a day away from opening day.
1: Yeah, I can't wait. That's always one of my favorite days, Major League Baseball opening day. and It's going to be great weather. we got an early spring in the Northeast and oh. the New England area. Man, let's get it going. Let's go when it comes to Major League Baseball, my brother.
0: Can't wait for it. Freddie, we'll talk next week.
1: Sounds good, Freddie. Have a good one, my man.